Hey, I'm Dan McCrum, and you can hear all about my new book, Money Men, about the Wirecard scandal, by listening to Insightia's Beyond the Boardroom podcast. Welcome to Beyond the Boardroom with me, Kieran Paul, where we will discuss the December edition of Insightia Monthly with its editor, Rebecca Sherratt. Now, December's issue marks the final ever of Insightia Monthly. But don't worry, though, we are planning on increasing the number of bespoke reports and associated podcast episodes in the new year, ensuring that you're kept abreast of the latest talking points in the world of shareholder activism, investor voting, corporate governance and ESG. Now, as well as looking at the magazine in this episode, I will also share with you my experience attending the Sone Foundation's ninth annual conference in London last month. So later, you're going to hear my chat with its director, Piers Butler. But now, for the last time this year, Rebecca. Hi, Kieran. Can't believe it's the end of the year already, and the last magazine. Well, Rebecca, as it is the last time, could you share with us more information on the future of Insightia and how we are revamping our editorial offerings? Sure. We've got a really exciting year ahead, and we're planning on expanding our special report offerings in a really big way. Uh, As most of our listeners will probably know, this year we gained access to a lot of valuable, diligent data sets and information thanks to our acquisition in January. Uh, And one of those big updates is our new compensation module, which was recently added to the Insightia One platform last month. So with all these new skills and data sets available, we can offer clients really expansive, holistic analysis on the latest trends in shareholder activism, ESG, and all things proxy voting. And to really showcase this and give our readers the most comprehensive reporting in the new year, we're going to be winding down the magazine and instead expanding our special report offerings. So in place of the traditional monthly magazine, our special reports, of which we've typically published around seven or eight a year, are now expanding to become monthly offerings. So there'll be around 12 or 13 special reports per year now. And as well as our flagship reports, which readers find really valuable and share lots of great insights, like our shareholder activism review, our proxy voting annual review, and topics like ESG activism. Our new reports will also delve into much broader topics. Uh, Personally, I'm really excited to explore a lot more markets that are really rapidly growing and deserving of more in-depth attention, like Australia, for example. Um, Our other regional reports, which our readers know and love, that cover regions like Europe or Asia, are also going to be expanding beyond just covering activism to encompass topics like compensation, voting, and short selling a lot more broadly. So we can look at these regions and themes through a whole new lens. We're also going to experiment with other diligent data sets and delve into topics in more detail like emissions reporting or sanctions. And of course, our readers can also continue to read our expansive newswire coverage, delving into the latest trends, as well as our in-depth reports, vulnerability reports, podcasts and newsletters. So our offerings are really only getting a lot better. 
Uh, th this month's issue features the coveted Advisor Awards. Can you tell us more about these? Well, our Advisor Awards for the Uninitiated are awards which delve into which law firms and proxy firms played an integral part in activist campaigns this year. And we take our readers through the top five law firms and proxy firms which had the most representations this season, as well as which firms represented the most activists versus the most issuers. So we spoke with each of these companies to reflect on the biggest campaigns they were involved with, their thoughts on the proxy season, and their predictions for what 2023 has in store. So these awards, which always come at the end of the year, are a great way to celebrate all the brilliant work that these advisors have done over the past 12 months. So then, in the law section, who were our winners? Our winners this year were again Olshin from Woloski. They retained the title of the busiest activist law firm, both in terms of total representations and in representing shareholder activists. Olshin represented a whopping 121 activists this year. We spoke with Andrew Friedman, who is Olshin's activist and equity investment group co-head, who said that with COVID now receding and stock valuations dropping sharply, activists are starting to feel a lot more confident in making demands. As such, activism is returning to pre-pandemic levels that we saw back in 2017 and 2018. And again this year, Olshin was among the go-to law firms for the big, leading activists, representing Elliott Management at PayPal, Twitter and Cardinal Health, as well as representing Alta Fox at Hasbro. And Olshin was kept busy representing a lot of newer activists, which was pretty interesting to follow. They represented the recently formed Irenic, which has already been super busy targeting News Corp, Capricorn Energy and Barnes Group. So looking to 2023, Friedman sees a lot more first-time activists coming into the market saying it's the perfect time for them, really, given current market volatility. And how about on the proxy firm side? Uh, on the proxy side, Innisfree M&A tops the Solicitor League table for the second consecutive year, ranking the highest not only in total number of representations, of which there were 70 this year compared to 62 last year, but also topping total issuer representations with 56 representations this year. In 2021, Innisfree was arguably involved in the biggest campaign of the season, supporting Engine Number no. 1 in its landmark campaign against ExxonMobil. And this year it was much of the same. Innisfree represented clients in several really high-profile ESG campaigns this year, helping McDonald's in an animal welfare-fueled proxy fight against activist legend Carl Icahn. Outside of ESG, Hasbro, Bed Bath & Beyond, and JetBlue are just a few of the big names that Innisfree supported in their engagements this season. And of course, you can't talk about Innisfree's representations without mentioning that they supported Twitter in the unexpected buyout by Elon Musk. And as we ranked in the wildest campaigns back in our August magazine, this was undoubtedly the most surprising campaign of the season, full of twists and turns that still of course dominated the headlines. And you can hear that Wildest Campaigns countdown by scrolling through your list of episodes. Um, but Rebecca, what else do readers have to look forward to in this issue? 
Uh, in this issue, we're really pleased to interview Annie Sanders and Andrea Ranger of Green Century Capital Management. Green Century is no doubt a familiar name to those in the ESG space. They've had a really impressive 2022 proxy season. Green Century reached no less than seven public withdrawal agreements with US issuers on plastic pollution in 2022, as well as three agreements each on the right to repair reporting and deforestation. And what's even more impressive is they broke records with their proposal seeking sustainable packaging reporting at Jack in the Box's 2022 annual meeting. The proposal won a whopping 95% support, despite facing management opposition. Annie and Andrea talk us through how they identify companies to engage with on these very sustainability issues, as well as their plans for 2023, and how the growing anti-ESG movement affects, or rather won't affect, responsible investors. Also this month, we delve into why US banking giant Citigroup is vulnerable to activism, the growing regulatory pressure on companies to break down their dual-class share structures, and how investors are engaging with board diversity at portfolio companies. And it may be the end of the year, Rebecca, but plenty is still happening in the stewardship and corporate governance space. What trends have caught your eye this month? Um, I think it's definitely worth keeping an eye on short sellers. It's been a really quiet year this year, but 2023 could well be a very busy one. As of the end of October, 79 short campaigns were launched globally this year, down from 109 at the same time in 2021. And this decline is largely down to the Department of Justice's investigation into short seller activity in the US. This investigation started last year, but has mostly taken place this year, putting a lot of short campaigns on hold due to the unfavourable legal environment. Uh, and this was brought on by a lot of allegations of short sellers colluding to bring down stock prices or scalping in their campaigns. So understandably, this has made short sellers hesitant to get too involved in recent months. Although we have seen some activity, especially in Europe, but this is hopefully set to change with current market volatility and rising interest rates across the US and UK, making shorting much more appealing to investors. In discussions with various short sellers in the past few months, many have suggested that now is the perfect time to look at companies that somehow managed to hide their problems until now because they had access to a lot of cheap money. Now, we've been both busy attending conferences recently. Uh, tell us about where you went last month. I went to ICGN's proxy season review in London. Uh, ICGN, or the International Corporate Governance Network, is an investor coalition about 70 trillion assets strong, I think. Uh, and their recent event does what it says on the tin, a review of the 2022 proxy season. Uh, and there were a number of really valuable insights there. One really interesting topic was the cost of living crisis. Uh, and investors made clear that they're expecting companies to address the cost of living crisis when setting executive pay. And this is primarily through lowering CEO awards and bonuses, while also boosting employee pay where possible. And this is something we touched on recently ourselves in our compensation report, how important it is to align executive experiences with broader stakeholder experiences. And another topic that really caught my eye was the idea of pass-through voting. With more asset managers offering pass-through voting, 
which permits end investors, usually institutional investors or retail investors, to vote their shares according to their own values. It's increasingly important that asset managers make sure there's that dialogue to ensure end investors have access to education about proxy voting now that they're wielding a lot more voting power. Uh, there was quite heated debate as to whether fund managers that are expanding pass-through voting power are actually abdicating their ESG responsibilities. So I think there's a really good chance that investors will be expecting more disclosure from fund managers on how they're going to make good on their fiduciary duties in situations where pass-through voting is utilised. So it was a really great event for examining the potential many trends of 2023. Uh, and you went to the same conference that same day, right? Yes, I did. Uh, but before that, uh, a thank you to you, Rebecca, for all the hard work you've done on Inside Your Monthly and our special reports this year. Thanks, Kieran. And I will see you in the new year. So on to the Sone conference. Now, the highlight of the event was Carson Block announcing his short seller firm Muddy Waters Research's latest target. Each speaker was introduced by a special guest. So now please join me in welcoming on stage Abhishek Agarwal. And then they would outline their latest investment opportunities. So Muddy Waters Research's big news was that it went short payment processing company D-Local. In a pretty rare London appearance, Block explained its thesis behind it. As I said, there was a series of speakers and clients can read about what other investors told the 300-strong audience on our newswire. But now it's time for my quick chat with Sones Piers Butler. We recorded it during a break in a room buzzing with networking going on in the background. Okay, Piers, so uh, is it good to be back? Yeah, it is fantastic to be back and to be back in person after quite an extended break. And uh, tell me about the baby photo. So on the screen when the investors come on, they are introduced with their name. It's all very formal, but then they have a baby photo. Whose idea was that? Well, it was really to establish this connection with the fact that we are raising money for research into pediatric cancer. Uh, and everybody's been a child at some point. And, and I think all the presenters uh, feel very strongly about that cause. So they're very willing to give their photographs and, and to take part in this event. And tell us about the story behind the event um, and how proud of you, proud are you, sorry, looking around and seeing, you can hear the noise in the background how busy this place is. Well, so it was an idea that was started over 25 years ago in New York, uh, where uh, a broker called Irosone died of cancer and he said to his mother and his brother, if you want to do something to remember me, help find a cure for pediatric cancer because he had been treated himself in hospitals where he was with children and he realized that this was something where there was not enough research and that it was really important to raise money and and this this idea came about to present uh, to use uh, hedge fund managers that you would not normally ever have access to and ask them to pitch an idea at a conference and you would buy a ticket to the conference and it has grown and grown and from New York it's gone to San Francisco and then it's gone overseas to London and to Hong Kong and to Sydney uh, and yes, it's fantastic to see so many people supporting this cause. And it, it was Evan's brother, wasn't it? Yes, it was. And uh, how special was that when Evan spoke earlier on about uh, sort of the history behind that? Well, it is amazing. And, and uh, I think he was quite emotional about it because clearly, as you mentioned, uh, Ira actually died after having 
being married and, and fathering a daughter uh, who herself is about to have twins. So this continuity and this ability to have carried on with his memory all this time I think is very special. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. So that's it for today's episode. Uh, look out for a best of episode coming soon featuring, you guessed it, the best of all the interviews you have enjoyed here on Beyond the Boardroom this year. I'm Kieran Paul. See you next time.